Hello, I'm Holly Baker. I'm the podcast producer in the public history program at the University of Central Florida, and I will be your host for this podcast series on the Florida Constitutions. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the current Florida Constitution. This podcast series will look back at all the constitutions in Florida, starting with the first Florida Constitution, drafted in 1838. These interviews were recorded at the 2018 annual meeting of the Florida Conference of Historians. The day-long sessions examined each of the Florida Constitutions and discussed how they addressed the concerns of their time. The sessions took place at the Old Senate Chamber in the Florida Historic Capitol Museum in Tallahassee. Robert Casanello, an associate professor of history at the University of Central Florida, and Julian Chambliss, a professor of English at Michigan State University, moderated the discussion. In this episode, we spoke with Mike Denham, who is a professor of history and director of the Lawton M. Childs Jr. Center for Florida History at Florida Southern College. He and Professor Chambliss talked about the 1838 St. Joseph Constitution. Let's listen. So our first panel, of course, is about the early Constitution. Our first speaker is Dr. James Mike Denham from Florida Southern College. He's going to talk about the St. Joseph's Constitution of 1838. My name is James M. Denham, and I uh, direct the Lawton Child Center for Florida History at Florida Southern College. And I'm very proud to be in this room where Lawton Childs once was a senator, a state senator before he became a U.S. senator. Um, I think my first question for you, Mike, is why was there a need for this constitution? Well, obviously we needed a constitution to join the Union and uh, Florida in 1838 through 9 when the Constitutional Convention was convened in St. Joseph. We were a territory and being a territory, um, which is a pre-stage obviously to statehood, uh, we needed to have a constitution to enter the Union. Of course, nobody knew exactly when that would happen, uh, but one year before the convention, there was a kind of a plebiscite held uh, in this territory of only about 50,000 people. Uh, imagine that, 50,000 people, there's probably 50,000 people within half a mile of us here, um, but in the entire territory, 50,000 people, about half of those people were enslaved, uh, enslaved people. Um, so Florida was very, very small. But, but anyway, there was a, a kind of a referendum held, and it was very close as, to, as, as far as whether there should be a constitutional convention or not. I think it was something like uh, 1,900 to 2,100 or something vote. Um, so that gives you a sense of, of how, how small the territory was. And of course, at that time, most of the people lived here um, in this region, uh, roughly the six or seven counties, including west and east of Leon County here. Um, and of course, at the same time the, the, the Constitutional Convention meets, Florida is engaged in, uh, in an awful war, uh, the Second Seminole War, which is taking place primarily in the eastern Florida area, east of the Suwannee River. But this region as well was being threatened with Native American attacks as well. Thank you. So our second question for you is, how did this Constitution reflect ideals of the time? Well, the ideals of the time, sadly to say, uh, reflected um, slavery uh, in large part. Uh, this area um, began its um, ascendancy uh, to become one of the one of the most significant slave-producing regions, while small, uh, in the Old South, beginning in 1824 when Tallahassee was founded, uh, from, from 1824 to 1838, 
um, Florida had become, this region, the Red Hills region, had become a thriving slave-based economy. And sadly to say, the Constitution, the, sta the territorial constitution, or the state constitution reflected the need to protect property, that, that kind of property. Um, and that was one of the main inspirations, I think, or one of the main issues uh, at, the, at the convention. Of course, there are others too. And I'd, I'd like to, to read very briefly the statement the Declaration of Rights uh, in the Constitution, it stated that the great and essential principles of liberty and free government may be recognized and established. We declare that free men, when they form a social compact, are equal and have certain inherent and in indefensible rights. Among those are those of enjoying and defending life and liberty, of acquiring and possessing and protecting property, and reputation and of pursuing their own happiness. Now reputation, of course, is an interesting thing to put in here and maybe I'll, I'll, I will be able to refer to that in more, in more detail in, in a little bit. But again, the emphasis on, is on free men. Uh, throughout the Constitution, there are references to slaves and free blacks, um, which would be banned from the territory, uh, from coming into the territory. And we can perhaps talk a little bit about that if we have more time. I, well, I think this is actually tied into our next question. So what are the ideological concerns embodied in this Constitution? Well, again, I, I, uh, the ideological concerns obviously re reflect the protection of slave property, but probably the most pressing issue at the moment that the Constitution was, was, was written in St. Joseph was the issue of banking. Um, banking, the history of banking is of course a kind of complicated and unknown issue in early American history. Andrew Jackson of course um, at, uh, was president before the convention met uh, and had only been out of office a few years uh, by 1838 and of course he had made a big war against the Bank of the United States. But um, small state banks including what we call pet banks began to crop up and the territory was all for three or four years earlier than the Constitutional Convention for creating banks. And the collateral for banks to, get, to, get, to be able to get bonds or currency for the banks were land and slaves. And so a lot of the planners invested heavily in, in the bank, uh, but by the time the 1838 Constitution came along, the banking issue was, was, was really politically active. The question was whether the territory or the future state would, would be good on these faith bonds, what we call faith bonds. So this was a very big issue going into the convention. By the time the convention started, the Panic of 1837 had hit nationally, and the banking situation was really beginning to spiral downward. So there was a tremendous, tremendous political tension. Uh, nobody was nobody was, uh, was was questioning the slavery issue. Everybody agreed on that, uh, but the real conflict at the convention turned out to be territorial banking, um, and it ref it was reflected in the in the decision um, of who would be the president um, of the convention. Uh, William Pope Duval, who was the first territorial governor of Florida, was uh, was the pro banking choice, but Robert Raymond Reed, from uh, who was a judge from St. Augustine was eventually elected a chair of the of, of president of the convention by only one vote, um, and so that was really the beginning of this of this conflict uh, in the convention, this tension throughout the convention over territory banking. And finally, what are the political debates that emerge from this constitution afterwards? 
afterwards. Well, before and afterwards. Uh, remember, Florida didn't become a state until 1845, so uh, six years would go by, and it was basically, um, uh, we were basically on the timetable of the United States. And, and by 1845, the issue, of course, it had already been, in the country had been uh, slavery, the expansion of slavery. And again, the Missouri Compromise had determined that there would be a pairing off of states, northern states, free states versus uh, slave states. So I was ready to come in in 1845. Um, so we came in in 1845 with Iowa, but as well as the uh, uh, state of Texas, by the way, a lot of people don't realize that Florida and Texas came into the union exactly the same uh, within a week or so of each other. Anyway, um, during, before and uh, after, there was conflict in Florida, tremendous division about becoming a state versus not becoming a state. Advocates of statehood said this would increase prosperity, et cetera, particularly people around here. Um, in the East, people said the war has created such devastation we can't afford state government. They did not want to come into the Union and maybe become a state. In fact, there's a lot of talk about division, and division was essentially the prospect of dividing Florida into two different states. Um, the Spanish and the English before had had separate colonies. And so it was a kind of a natural thing until the United States acquired Florida that there would be two distinct um, colonies uh, or, or perhaps states. And that issue was alive really pretty much all the way up to the end as a possibility. Obviously, Florida could become two slave states perhaps. Um, and there was even, of course, an inkling that Florida in the east was not necessarily wedded to slavery like it would be here in middle Florida um, where, where the concentration of, of, of African slavery existed. Um, so there were all kinds of different um, possibilities, which debates which went on all the way up to the very end. In fact, at the very week that Congress admitted Florida, there was still a chance, really, that there could have been division. And uh, there was even talk about um, the western part of Florida, west of the Apalachicola River, joining a session over to Alabama. So there was all kinds of diversity, disagreement, uh, tremendous amount of disagreement. Uh, about the, the prospect. But of course, Middle Florida, this area, had the people, they had the power, um, and they would indeed dominate the new state government as people predicted. And of course, the next speaker will talk about uh, the secession convention, so in the secession constitution. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. That was Mike Denham from Florida Southern College discussing the 1838 St. Joseph Constitution. Thanks for listening. In the next episode of this podcast series on Florida Constitutions, Boyd Murphy from the University of Florida Libraries will discuss the 1861 Secession Ordinances and the 1865 Constitution. Please join us for that episode. We hope you have enjoyed this conversation, and if you did enjoy it, please recommend it to others. Post it on your Facebook or Twitter page for others to find. This series was produced by Robert Casanello and Julian Chambliss. We'd like to thank David Proctor and Jesse Hingson with the Florida Conference of Historians for assisting in the recording of this series. You can find out more about the Florida Conference of Historians at www.floridaconferenceofhistorians.org.